Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I don't think we really realize all of these traits or attributes um, we obtain is the work and the result of the Holy Spirit in us, not something that we just already have. And sometimes we think about that, like, oh, no, I'm, I'm real nice, I'm gentle, I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that. But we can't have any of that if the Holy Spirit isn't in us. It just doesn't come naturally, amen? When we walk with the Spirit of God or when we live with our lives as an example of Jesus Christ <clears throat> and invite the Holy Spirit, uh, it just becomes a normal way of life and a life of faith because we, with the Holy Spirit, he gives us the opportunity. He gives us every opportunity and every instance to use our faith to do, his, to do what he wants to do in us, amen? Those attributes of virtues can and should be uh, prevalent in us as Christians. So we truly can be an example to the world. Of course, we know that that's a lifelong endeavor because sometimes when we meet people or circumstances come up, we kind of throw some of that stuff out with, <laughs> throw some of that stuff out because of what's going on. But uh, as mature Christians, we need to always refer back. What does the Bible say? What is the Holy Spirit? What are the fruits of the Spirit? So we don't take things personally. A lot of times when we take things personally, we forget about the attributes and the virtues of the Holy Spirit. But So we need to always, that's a, a lifelong thing. It's an everyday thing. <laughs> we have to remind ourselves, I'm nice. I'm happy. <laughs> because sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh. Like I have a company in from out of town. Actually, my girlfriend just left who was here from Seattle and then my sister came, so they overlapped, which to me, it was fine. I mean, I was like, oh, great, more, you know, more people. And, uh, but for my husband, it was like, oh, my God, when can I get my house back? Because he's, they don't do what we do. Who put the dishes over here when we put it over here? You know, <laughs> who did the, who put the dishes in the dishwasher like this when we don't do it this way? <laughs> and me, they would just, I'd look in there, they say, is this okay? I said, ah, that's fine. But <laughs> they're going to get clean no matter what. But, no, I mean, he even goes behind me, though, and switches things around. It's, it's just so funny. But uh, <laughs> but sometimes, like, in instance, like, okay, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be joyful. I'm gonna, it's okay. <laughs> so we can't let the little things throw us off. Amen. Uh, living with or having the fruit of the Spirit means we are aware of the influence of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we just take those things for granted. That, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, oh yeah, we just list them off, you know. <laughs> but we, but they're not just automatically given. When we, ha when we see those working in our lives, it means we are aware that the Holy Spirit is working in us. So we can, uh, are able to... Um, express those things. Amen. The word fruit comes from the Greek word karbos, which means the benefit or result of deed, action, profit, offspring, 
a finished product or something to show for our work. And I'm like, man, we don't even think about fruit as being all of those different things, an action, a profit, an offspring. Uh, we are, so when we think about it that way, we are the finished product of the Holy Spirit and the offspring of the Holy Spirit when we let him in, when we let him lead us, and we show all the fruit of, the, uh, of his, the result of his work in our lives. When we see those things working in us every day, or, and um, I should just say not every day, but every instance, <laughs> when we have to pull it back in, uh, then we know it's the result of him working in us. So he's constantly working in us, but we just have to um, let him lead us. Like I was talking about last week, we have to let him lead us. We're behind him. We're not in front of him and say, Holy Spirit, come. No, he's already here. <laughs> we just need to say, okay, Holy Spirit, have your way. <laughs> uh, so when we cultivate or accept the leadings of the Holy Spirit, these virtues will show up in our lives when we least expect it. Um, and he's done his, and when that happens, he's done his job. So we need to remember he's always working, always working for us. He never leaves us. Jesus said he never leaves us. Well, the Holy Spirit never leaves us, which is why he told us to wait for the Holy Spirit, ask for the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? There are other things that involve the Holy Spirit, and we don't always think of those benefits. Um, we don't hear much about them all the time uh, because we always just hear about the fruit of the Spirit, and they're very important. But um, we don't even recognize that there's probably a lot of people in this church, in this congregation, that already have some of the gifts from the Holy Spirit, and we just don't think about them. The first one is the nine spiritual gifts, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, the gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, and notice that they're said they're gifts. That means anybody can have them. The Holy Spirit decides. Prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, or heavenly language, and so all those things are working in the church, or they should be, but some people don't realize they have it. The second is the sevenfold ministry of the Spirit, which is wisdom, understanding, counsel, courage, the guts to do something, to stand up when the Holy Spirit is telling you to do it. <laughs> uh, piety, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And I know that one fortitude or courage I've had that happen to me. You hear some the Holy Spirit telling you, and you don't really recognize, or you do recognize it's him, and you're going, I can't get up and do that. <laughs> or I just can't say that. I just can't go do that. That's him nudging you to do it. And, uh, and some of us, it's hard to do when, when, you know, everybody's praying, or you're out somewhere, and he's saying, go over to that person. And you're like, I can't do that. <laughs> Or he's telling you to do something. He's like, I can't do that. And then the next thing you know, he's already gotten somebody else doing it. And that's one thing, you know, about God and the Holy Spirit. If we won't do it, they'll find, he'll find somebody else to do it. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, okay. So I'll remember that. So the next time you tell me to do, when the next time you tell me to do that, I'm going to listen to you and, <laughs> and just go ahead and do it. The Holy Spirit has his work cut out. That's what I mean. He's got his work cut out um, because we so often just get in our own heads and ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. Even though we have to discern 
what spirit it is. Of course, the enemy is not going to tell us to do something that will help somebody. He's not going to tell us to do something that will help us. <laughs> so we just have to, be, when that thought comes, go, okay, who is this talking to me? Because sometimes we can just react and not pay attention to what, it's, what the end result is. Amen? So this morning, I'm going to focus on the nine fruits, attitudes, or attributes of the Holy Spirit. And I am so excited about it because um, while I was studying it and just going through some scriptures about it, it's just really, it's uh, the works that the Holy Spirit does. It's just like deeper than we ever could think of or imagine or recognize that he's always doing for us and, uh, and, and that we give him credit for. <laughs> so I'm just going to go on, get started because I'm going to make all this in here. <laughs> The first one is love. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, is love, <clears throat> joy, which is gladness, peace, patience, which is an even temper and forbearance, kindness, goodness, which is benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, which is meekness and humility, which is not weakness, Self-control, which is self-restraint, and your countenance against such these things, there is no law that can bring a charge. And I always get my uh, stuff out of the Amplify because I just love how it explains it and breaks it down. Uh, when we live with these attributes of fruits uh, working in our lives, no one or nothing can come against us. And we can't be accused of anything ungodly when these things are working in us. Agape is the perfect love that only God can give, and we hear that all the time. Agape love, and you know, I just say, God, just give me that agape love for everybody. But the love of God and the love of others is only the result of receiving God's agape perfect love. Because if we don't feel like we have love or accept His love, it's hard for us to give that out to other people, and sometimes even to ourselves. So we have to accept ourselves and love ourselves before we are able to love other people. Amen. Jesus encouraged his followers uh, to do it in John. Boy, I'm going to have to put these on. I should make these things bigger. <laughs> in John 15, 9, it says, I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Abide in my love. Continue in his love with me. And I thought, man, we don't always read that, that he says, abide in, in my love. But really he's saying, continue, continue in the love that I've received from my Father. Let that same love be in you. And sometimes we forget that we read that he loved everybody and he did everything for everybody, but he walked by a lot of people. He, he didn't do a lot of things, even though he has love for people, but he didn't do anything unless the Holy Spirit uh, instructed him to do so. Amen. Love is a, it's a spiritual anchor of truth in relationship with God and your neighbor, the 10 commandments, <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. It's a deliberate attitude of God and it's not from our own feelings. It gives freely. It's undefeatable benevolence. It's unconquerable goodwill. First Corinthians 13, four through eight talks about the attribute of love. It says this, love is patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, not rude or selfish, not easily angered, and keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not gloat over other people's sins, but takes its delight in the truth. Love always bears up, always trusts, always hopes, and always endures. This is what we are called to show, selfless love to other people. It's definitely not based on our own emotions, amen? (laughs) Because sometimes we're going to go, okay, God, okay, love, love your neighbor, Love my neighbor. This one lady had a prayer request for us to um, pray that she would move. <laughs> and, and I read that and I just laughed. <laughs> I said, it's our job not to pray that they move, even though sometimes we want them to, but pray that they receive Jesus, <laughs> get saved, and then you can have a buddy. <laughs> Instead of praying, that just get them out of here. <laughs> Say, no, okay, let's, God, I'm just going to pray for her because I know she's aggravating me. But, you know, sometimes the devil will keep nudging you and keep nudging you until he defeats you. But we have to know that that's the enemy and, and bear up and get strong and say, okay, devil, I see you and you are not going to win in this circumstance. Amen. Second one is joy. James uh, 1, 1 to 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I like sometimes we forget. It says facing trials of many kinds. It's not just one kind. The devil comes at us. He comes at us all different kind of ways. If we defeat him in one way, he's going to try another way. So we need to always make sure we're examining ourselves, what's my weakness? How can the devil come in and, and irk me? Because <laughs> that's what he does. He, he continuously tries to irk us in every area of our lives. So we have to always take that into consideration. Translate joy, translated joy or delight is often seen in the Bible as gladness. Joy is a, is a realization of God's favor and grace in our lives. Biblical joy is happiness that is not dependent on our circumstances. An example is that some people just think they cannot be happy, they cannot be joyful unless somebody makes them that way. Well, that's not how it works. We should be able to be happy or joyful independent of another person or, uh, or things. Some people only are happy when they go shopping. Some people are only happy, you know, when their husbands or their friends are all around them and everything like that, but that's not how the joy that God's talking about. That's not how it should be. We should be just be joyful because we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. We know the Holy Spirit is working in us. We know God still does miracles. We know he protects us. So it's a lot of things that we should just be happy about because we're alive, first of all, and we have the opportunity to tell other people about how to get happy, how to be joyful, how to live a good life and not have be stirred up with all kinds of circumstances and worry and things like that. Amen. The next one is peace. A life of peace is safe and secure, both physically and mentally. Peace is safe and secure, physically and mentally. Peace is the result of allowing the leading of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and in our minds. So not only is he to work on our hearts, but to work in our minds because renewing the spirit of the mind. (laughs) If we don't do that, no matter what he says, no matter what the word of God says, we're not going to accept it or we're not going to believe it. There's always something in there that's going to say, well, I don't know about this. Well, I don't know about that. 
but we want to be led by the Holy Spirit and just have faith and trust in God. Amen? When we have peace, we are free from fear, free from worry about our finances, our safety, our salvation, and our eternal life. And that is a, that's really big. (laughs) I know, uh, when my uh, mom passed away, um, I had just talked to her and everything. Uh, she was living with us. And, you know, and when the doctor came and said, I don't, get a, I don't get a pulse or whatever, it's not that, I mean, I didn't break down and cry. And they were looking at me like, okay, what's going on with her? Because she's not showing the kind of emotion I'm so used to seeing. But I was just at peace with it. I had talked to her. She knew about Jesus. She, you know, I just knew it, it was that time. The Holy Spirit just prepared me. For, for it, and uh, so they were all looking like, what in the world? <laughs> Even the police, because I didn't know that, but when some person passes away in your home, the police come, and they were, you know, questioning uh, who was here with her, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, me? <laughs> you know, who else is here? Uh, my husband. <laughs> you know, but it's like, okay. And then I thought about, I said, why are you questioning me? Why is that? And they said, well, when somebody passes away in the house, they have to come in and ask all these questions. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that. They were looking at me like, this lady, <laughs> she's just like so calm, like that's suspicious. Because <laughs> I was just so calm and everything. But it's like, okay. And then they thought, okay, everything's cool. And then they left. But it was so weird to just have the police come. But Everybody else thought it was weird that I was just so peaceful about it. (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit is seen in the peace that comes even when our circumstances are far from being tranquil. An example was when I just said when my mother passed away and everything, but um, just knowing that you have taken care of somebody or or you're you're down for your friends or or you're just ready to do anything for your kids, for your grandkids, just knowing that peace that you have done your part to impart the love of God, to impart the things into their lives that they need to grow up to be, you know, functioning, I should say, functioning adults, young adults, because sometimes the young adults, when they grow up, they're not functioning, (laughs) especially when all they do is look in their phones. They don't know how to communicate with people. They don't know how to write checks. They don't know how to go put their card in the machine and put a cold and they don't know they don't know how to go grocery shopping how can they take care of themselves if you don't teach them that and so you know it's it's like that it's like okay okay prepare your kids prepare your life you know the second the holy spirit had my he prepared me just like we have to prepare our kids we have to prepare our you know our parents we have to prepare them when they get older to you know have live a relaxed life knowing that you know you're saved knowing that god has covered you and sometimes older people forget that because they hear what the word says when you get past 50 everything starts falling apart (laughs) how many how many i've heard that people still say that and i'm like that is not true (laughs) but you hear about it so people start thinking that and then when you're watching tv especially in the morning, every single, what, 20 minutes, not even 20 minutes, 15 minutes, there's a commercial on for elderly people telling them what kind of pill they need to have or what they can, you know, buy to stop the aches and pains, you know, your knees giving out, you're, you know, <laughs> you have heart trouble, you can't breathe. And I'm like, oh my gosh. 
<laughs> all these commercials telling elderly people what they need to get to improve their lives. And it's like, we don't have to have any of that. Uh, Scott and I were just praying today, you know, God, we want to be like Moses. There was not one feeble thing on him. His mind was clicked. It was clear and clicking. His body was whole and healthy, and he was a hundred and something. So, you know, it's like, no, that's how we're going to be. And, you know, and for years we've prayed we live supernatural uh, health and healing. We have supernatural health and healing every single day of our lives. We're not getting sick. We're not, <laughs> we're not doing any of that stuff. And here we're almost 70, and it's like, Okay, God, your word is true, you know, but we have to remind ourselves and say it and just keep, you know, reminding us, okay, body, you have to do what I'm telling you to do because our body is just like a computer. So you keep it in, whatever you tell your brain, it's going to transfer it down to your body. So if you want to live a healthy life, tell your brain you're healthy and you're going to stay that way until Jesus comes back. So that's what we do. So it's like, okay, God, so I'm going to be joyful because I know God's word works. I'm going to be peaceful because I know God's word works. Amen. Uh, so it's something that we, we, that we can't do on our own. We definitely need the help, the encouragement, the instruction, the strength of the Holy Spirit to constantly do that for ourselves. Um, and it's like, thank you, God, for giving us the comforter. Thank you for giving us the teacher. Thank you for giving us somebody to guide us through our lives so we live the life that Jesus wanted for us. And sometimes we forget that uh, Jesus came so we could live a happy, peaceful, joyful life full of love and everything else. And I'm like, okay, okay, we got it. Or we're constantly getting this, but remind me. <laughs> John 16, 13 says, however, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but will say only what he hears. He will also announce to you the events of the future. And I, I love it when he, when he does that, tells you something that's going to happen. And sometimes I can, ha I don't know, have a dream, have a vision, and then down the road uh, you have like deja vu. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just did that the other day. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've done this. You said the exact same thing. <laughs> And sometimes we forget when those things come up and, and he's telling us the future. And it's like, okay, and we kind of shove it to the side, but, you know, that stuff is, like, real. <laughs> I said, thank you, God. Forbearance, Colossians 1.11 says, We pray that you might be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance, and forbearance with joy. When we speak of forbearance, we're speaking about patience, endurance, consistency, steadfastness, perseverance, long-suffering, and slowness in avenging wrongs. Patience, is for t patience or forbearance is a state of remaining calm or tranquil while awaiting an outcome and being steady. And I'm like, okay, God, we're going to steady pace, <laughs> do the steady race. <laughs> Forbearance is a state of being able to bear up under provocation like road, I don't put this in there, like road rage, because sometimes guys drive down there, I can't believe he cut me off, I can't believe, it's okay, <laughs> we're not in a hurry. <laughs> and I, I, it also made me think of pastor when he talks about 
<laughs> because it's a state of being able to bear up under that kind of stuff. Someone can cause you to lose your self-control, and then you end up doing something you, you regret later. Amen? Forbearance is the ability to endure evil treatment or ill treatment without lashing out. And, and that's a big one for people. When somebody does something or says something to you, you want to have a comeback. <laughs> but sometimes the best comeback is not to say anything. <laughs> and uh, I think I gave that example when I was mad at Scott. We had an argument. I'm on my way to work, and I'm just arguing with God. And then he just tells me it won't be an argument if you would just be quiet. You know, and it's like all I have to do is keep my mouth shut because you, you can't argue if it's only one person. <laughs> It was only one person complaining or doing the argument. If you don't answer, then it's no argument. <laughs> so I was like, okay, God. <laughs> it's a willingness to wait. Through, through the Holy Spirit, we are able to wait longer before indulging our passions or become long-tempered rather than short-tempered. Paul used this word when he was describing Jesus' patience with him. In 1 Timothy 1.16, it says, But I obtain mercy. For the reason that in me, as the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might show forth and display all his perfect long-suffering and patience for an example to encourage those who would thereafter believe on him for the gaining of eternal life. So sometimes we have to have patience with others and even ourselves when you're at your wit's end. <laughs> when somebody's really rubbing you the wrong way, step back and think before you open your mouth. <laughs> The next one, kindness, conveys the meaning of moral goodness, integrity, and usefulness. Kindness is translated as gentleness in the King James, which, link, which links it to someone who behaved properly with moral integrity and kindness. Kindness is also, is also a sweet disposition, being friendly, generous at times, inconvenienced, and it removes abrasiveness, it's our ability to show empathy for those who are in need or who are hurting. That's kindness. Kindness is not directly related to niceness. And I, when I saw that, okay, you, kindness and niceness are not the same. I'm like, oh, okay. Being nice means to be agreeable. And how, sometimes people are just agreeable just to keep people off their back or they're just being agreeable uh, because they don't want to argue or just being agreeable because you want things to flow well wherever you are. Being kind refers to acting for the good of another person. Whether or not you receive thanks or recognition, it's the opposite of selfishness. The op kindness seeks good at the expense of our own power. So we have the power to be kind, and we also have the power to be nice. 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 6 and 7 says, By innocence and purity, knowledge and, and spiritual insight Long-suffering long and patience, kindness in the Holy Spirit un, or sin, is in sincere love. Kindness in the Holy Spirit is sincere love. Paul referring to those following and laboring together with him to show God's love to those we would say are unloving. So that's where kindness comes in and patience comes in. And all these things work together for us to be able to approach somebody that's unloving or like the, like pastor said when he came in the church to get saved just because of the way he looked nobody wanted to come up and talk to him well see when you're experiencing the gifts of the holy spirit you would go up there and say something anyway i'm sure they felt that way when i came in there <laughs> 
Romans 12, Romans 2, verse 4 says, Or are you so blind as to trifle with and assume upon and despise and underestimate the wealth of his kindness, forbearance, long-suffering, patience? Are you unmindful or actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent, to change your mind, and inner man to accept God's will. And I'm like, wow. He's just telling us, are you ignorant of the fact <laughs> that this is what the Holy Spirit does and what kindness does? I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's telling us and reminding us that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, not judgment, not judging others, not judging ourselves for something we did just repent and move on the holy spirit enables us to have moral integrity with kindness and not to get trapped in self-righteous judgment which it's easy to do the holy spirit in us makes us serviceable or able to serve and i like that him in us working in us makes us serviceable or able to serve there's a lot of people a lot of people don't serve because of why selfishness <laughs> the, that jesus said we're saved so we can be his army we're saved and then we become the church and we forget the church is a working thing <laughs> it's a working church if we don't work the church don't work because <laughs> we are the church amen second timothy 2 24 says and the servant of the lord must not be quarrelsome fighting and contending instead he must be kindly to everyone and mild temper, persevering the bond of peace. He must be a skilled and suitable teacher, patient and forbearing, and willing to suffer wrong. And that's where a lot of people leave the church because somebody offends them, somebody says something. Well, it says here, willing to suffer wrong and just keep on moving because you know what your calling is in the church, right? You know what your calling is, just a person, to do the will of God. Goodness means integrity, uprightness of heart and life, and the courage to do the right thing reflects God's character, not our own, moral excellence, strength of conduct. Goodness is seen in our actions. It's not only about being good, but also doing good things or good deeds. It works hand in hand with kindness. Second Thessalonians uh, 1.11 says, With this in view, we constantly pray for you that our God may deem and count you worthy of your calling and his gracious purpose of goodness and with power may complete in your, in your every particular work of faith, faith which is that leaning of the whole human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. And that's what we all strive to have, right? Complete trust and confidence in God and his power, not our own, his wisdom, not our own, and his goodness, not our own. Amen? Faithfulness is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. In our lives, It is the stick-to-itiveness, being reliable, a person true to their promises. Faithfulness is a character trait that combines dependability and trust based on our confidence in God and his eternal faithfulness to us. I'm like, oh my gosh. The Spirit is our seal of faithfulness. He is our witness to God's promises. Gentleness 
is translated in the King James as meekness, but because, but because being meek seems so weak, modern translation uses gentleness to mean mildness of disposition. Gentleness is quick to listen, slow to speak, even-tempered, allowing God's grace to flow through us to other people. It's the ability to control and temper strength. Those that have the fruit of the Spirit are to exhibit calmness, tenderness, and humility. And I like that when it says um, gentleness is the ability to control and temper strength. So it's not about being weak. It's about being strong. And sometimes we don't always get that uh, translation. Philippians 4 5 says, Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He's coming soon or at hand. According to the Baker's Evangelical Bible Dictionary, meekness doesn't describe or identify the weak, but more precisely, the strong who have been placed in a position of weakness, but they persevere without giving up. And I said, man, when I read that, I'm like, okay, you don't always hear that. You don't always think of gentleness as strength, of being strong. And sometimes it's just you're put in a position of weakness. Or someplace maybe you got transferred to a different position, and now you don't feel as strong. Your abilities, you know, like you thought you had because they put you someplace different. Well, now you have the opportunity to show your strength, even though you're in a position of weakness, but just to, you know, work through it, to keep going, because God did not bring us here to fail. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. And I'm like, I love that. I can find all of that just being gentle, just being strong in whatever position I'm in. I said, I'm ready for that. Self-control is the ability to control one's body and its sensual appetites and desires physically and mentally through the power of the Holy Spirit. The temperance and mastery of our fleshly desires and passions, sometimes referred to as surrendered self-control. And I'm like, okay. Self-control is you're surrendering yourself, your control to God. God controlled, but not without focused power. I like that one. It said it's God controlled, but with, with that, not without focused power. And sometimes we think when we, you know, lose control of something, we, we forget that we have power. It's power in our self-control. It allows us to have discipline and restraint. It allows us to listen to and act on the will of God rather than our own wants and desires. It's our ability to control our thoughts and actions, which is another part of renewing the spirit of the mind. Because when you think of all the things that we think, you know, that bombard our minds, we have to take control of all those thoughts and test them to what the word of God says about them. And sometimes we don't always do that. Self-control is strength. It relates to both chastity, sobriety, and particularly moderation in eating and drinking. Self-control is the opposite of the works of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, and then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh 
of human nature without God. And I'm like, if we walk with the Holy Spirit, we can control all of our fleshly desires that don't line up with what God says he wants for us. And sometimes uh, the saying used to be keeping up with the Joneses. Well, we don't have to have that to live a good life. We don't have to have that to be faithful. We don't have to have what everybody else has, uh, you know, to, to, you know, live the way that God wants us to live. We can be comfortable. We can be happy. We can be um, peaceful just with what we have if we take self-control over all of our thoughts, over all of our desires. I mean, because some people, I look at some people who get money and all of a sudden they got 10 different cars. Well, you can only drive one. <laughs> Why do you have to have three, four cars and you, only, and you can only drive one at a time? And I'm like, why did they buy all these cars? It's just a waste of money because as soon as you drive it off the lot, you lost like thousands of dollars. And I, <laughs> and so I told Scott, we are never buying a brand new car. I did that one time. And then as soon as you drive it off, you lost you know, half the, the value. <laughs> I said, I will always buy a used car as long as it's like between, you know, between three and five years because it's already the price that it should be. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, for the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward and has appeared for the deliverance from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, tempered, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world and how much do we need that now because of all the stuff that's going on with everything we changing and the enemy taking over and infiltrating our government our schools and our families values we need to have all these virtues and attitudes working in us at all times in every circumstance because the enemy thinks he's winning and if we don't get bold, if we don't stand up, if we don't invite the Holy Spirit, if we don't let him lead us in the direction we should go, he's going to still continue. He's going to win. And we're going to be floundering thinking that, oh, my gosh, we're getting beat up. Oh, my gosh, this is happening. But it's up to us as God's army to voice our opinion, to vote for certain things. I think in Moses said, it's, in the Bible it says, it's better for us to... Uh, have godly people in in our government and positions in the government because they believe in God's word. And the enemy is like slowly infiltrating and we have years and years and years just letting, okay, well, whatever's happening, we're going to be mild and meek and not, you know, voice our opinion. But now look how far it's gone. You know, what's the saying? It used to have let live and let live. <laughs> And we've let them live. And now, you know, the enemy is trying to take over everything. So it's time for us as God's army to be led by the Holy Spirit, to um, be bold in what we believe in and, you know, and take the kingdom back. God said, or Jesus said, we're here, we're saved to make the heaven here on earth. That's our job. That's our calling to be led by the Holy Spirit in the ways that we should go so we know exactly what to say, exactly where to go, exactly what to do so the enemy 
you know, can't say that it's ungodly. The enemy can't say that we're not doing uh, what God wants us to do, even though they're pretending to be Christians. But, you know, we have to remember to look at the fruit of the person that's around us, our friends, uh, whoever we're voting for, you know, even in church. You know, you have to you have to pay attention and look for the godly attributes. You have to look for the godly things that are going on and the fruit in a person's life, you know, and to determine, you know, whether you should be around them. Amen.